recording. What's up, everybody? This is Gerald Xavier here with my buddy Andy Silva. And today we're going to talk about the idea of rugged individualism. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What does it mean in the context of the country and the world? Uh, and how can becoming a rugged individual either help or hurt you? I will hand it over to you, my friend. Yeah. Um, thanks, man. Uh, I think like why I kind of wanted to talk about it was it's, it's kind of funny how we are like, you look at, uh, we want to look at like the divide in the country and people want to talk about racism or they want to talk about coronavirus stuff or who you're voting for in an election. And it's like, it seems to be all the stuff that really causes serious strife and, and, and problems isn't like it isn't disagreement between individuals like it's not you know i disagree with your take gerald or you disagree with mine and so now portland's burned to the ground right it's it's this collectivist mindset not not just like left marxist collectivist mindset even though you know you and i have an opinion on that but not just like left marxist people or you know right nazis it's just like when large groups have a, a strong opinion on something and they disagree with another large group that has an opinion on something it turns into you know chaos and it's like instead of, and it seems like the the response we're having is for people to just become more emboldened into a group of some sort as opposed to kind of like stepping away and just you know you know, being, you know, quote unquote, a rugged individual, not to sound too cliche, but like kind of work for themselves and better themselves or become more self-reliant or, or something of that nature. And I was wondering, like, would you, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's just my opinion. You know, when I see a, a city like, like a city like Portland burning to the ground, it's like, it, it should turn people more to being like, all right, I need to kind of move out take, take care of myself, worry about myself, maybe get, you know, get out of a city or out of a situation where I'm dependent on others, like directly dependent on others and need them, whether it's a government or your neighbor or whatever, as a, but it seems like, it seems like, and maybe I'm just looking too much at Twitter or something that more people are just like, well, I guess I got to become a Trump guy or, well, I guess I become a Biden guy, or I guess I got to be a, a Black Lives Matter, or I got to be a, whatever the counter to black lives matter would be. I'm not sure. Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, well, I think the counter to black lives matter uh, in, in like the true sense would probably be like, like a white supremacist or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of being, I think what I, what I do agree with is like, you can, you can be for or against any of those things, uh, but the idea of being a rugged individual doesn't have really to do with what you are for or for against. It's, it's really just a matter of, like you were saying, if you actually have your own independence, like mm -hmm. if you actually have some level of freedom in your, in your life, right? right? So, and with freedom, I would also include free thought. Because the thing that I think you're seeing on Twitter and is a natural phenomenon in society, like just the way that people get together and, and the way that uh, conversations happen 
and opinions form. And, and of course, we've got now this social media monster that kind of puts you into an echo chamber where you're thinking that the whole world either agrees with you or disagrees with you. And there's not a lot of nuance in between. You really have to go deep to find that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, that free thought uh, comes down to, are you really thinking for yourself? Like there's, there's that Carl Jung quote, people don't have ideas, ideas have people. And whenever somebody is like really emotionally triggered on a particular issue, I, I always think about that quote because it's like, oh, that's what that means. Like yeah, they, right. they aren't really, they aren't adopting the idea because they're like, okay, this fits into my current belief system, my current value system and where I want to go in life. They're just like kind of formulating a instantaneous thought process based on how they think the thing like based on like the narrative that's around that idea on how it should make them feel because of whatever it is because they identify as uh this person or that person or their group identity okay. so to kind of answer your question in a concise like in, in a word i do think rugged individualism uh, you know, the rugged part, I, like whatever, like uh, take it or leave it. I don't necessarily, like you could be like an individual and be just like, you know, and I guess not rugged. I don't know. Um, I, I although don't... I, think, I, I do think that to express your individuality does take some kind of like hardening, some kind of like a, the ability to not give into and bend under pressure because inevitably, like every group kind of wants you to adopt its ideology. And the only way to be an individual in, in the true sense is to kind of have your own and just to be okay with that and not bend to the will of society or to whatever group. And so I, I also think that that needs uh, a counterweight where no man is an island, right? We were, we were talking about this before. I don't think that you can just be, at least as a normal person, you know, not like a psychopath or a sociopath, like we're, we're social animals. So we want to feel validated and have our opinions seen and heard and respected. So for me, it's like the, the big concern is I just want people to be able to talk to each other, whether you're a, you know, whether you're a, this person or that person, uh, the, the, I, I guess the danger zone for me, uh, if this is kind of what you're also speaking to in your question is, are you able to respect other people's opinions even though they're different from yours i feel like that's a very individual i mean i granted i'm kind of saying hey you should be this way but i, I think it opens up the door to a more thoughtful consideration of what, like what your opinions are and it, it actually allows you to be kind of like a like a cafeteria you choose like okay i'll take some of this belief system i'll take some of this idea 
and and you you start to construct a better framework for your for everything right for being more self-reliant for connecting with other people like everybody even even ridiculous people have there's some truth to to every little nugget out there right so i think right right being able to take some of that is is the value in in that rugged individualism right if that makes if that kind of makes sense i know it's maybe not the direct way of answering that question but that's that's kind of how i i think about that yeah no i mean i would i would say to kind of i mean agree with one point you made um or you're kind of touching on and i actually think it's a it's a really important one to make when you said like what a rugged individual is and i i think it's you know when it comes with the word you hear the word rugged i mean you think of if i was talking about a, a car that's rugged you'd think of a you know a jeep wrangler with yeah big tires going over rocks and dirt not uh honda civic right and when so I hear rugged, when i hear rugged i think of a man with gigantic forearms and yeah. a, a facial hair and a flannel and uh like frequently crushes coarse cans with his bare hands yes he basically when he when he needs to chop down a tree he takes his axe and cuts it in one in one swing that that type of yeah. guy whereas me i ask a rugged man to do that for me <laughs> you know what I mean? no but in all seriousness uh, yes i can chop down a tree if needed just it would take me much more than one swing but um it's just like rugged really is just kind of i would say i think we should and anybody that thinks of that you know and so when you think of we need rugged individualism it's like okay, the idea of rugged individualism in America in, you know, 1885 was I moved out West with my horse and buggy and, you know, built a log cabin with my bare hands. And, you know, next thing you know, you had Denver, Colorado, like, okay, no, we don't need that type of rugged individualism, individualism anymore. Like we, that's just, no, we don't need that. And when people think it's like, oh, we're past that, or that's an outdated, concept for America. It's like, no, it's just, it's, you, you touch kind of on like more of an idea sense. And it's like rugged individualism is, you know, you have your belief system that you've developed um, through, you know, interactions with others, things you've read, things you've watched, experiences you've had, et cetera, et cetera. And, and being able to stand by that when you have the, you know, the, the proverbial angry mob in whatever form it may be, um, knocking on your doorstep saying, no, we need to do this, uh, we need to do that. And it's also, um, and I like you brought this up, it's saying like, okay, I have enough toughness in me mentally to hear someone say something else that at least initially I don't agree with. You know, it could be talking to a, a collectivist type being like, no, we need everything to be you know, shared, quote unquote shared and this and that. And it's like, okay, I mean, I, I mean, we both know our opinions on that type of stuff, but it's like, if we can't sit there and, and have a conversation with someone like that, it's not a matter of like, oh, I'm right. And they're just so wrong. They don't deserve to, we don't deserve to have a conversation with them. It's like, you're just not tough enough, you know, rugged to, to bring it back to the rugged individual individualism phrase. You're not tough enough to have that conversation. And it's like, you know, I mean, a great example, there's, I can't remember the guy's name. There's this guy, he's from the South. Let's see if I can look it up real quick. Um, he converted a bunch of KKK guys. Uh, Daryl Davis is his name. 
is a, a blues musician, um, black blues musician from down south, and he converted like 200 or something KKK members um, over the years to like, you know, not be KKK members, you know, be way less racist, be way more understanding, things like that. And you can only imagine like, how tough does it, I mean, who knows, maybe the guy, I don't know if he's big, small, I don't know if he could like beat these guys down with his bare hands or whatever, but I mean, how tough do you have to be to be able to sit down across from these guys and be like, hey man, like wh what do you got? And have a conversation with them and turn them, take them and be like, I'm sure he probably heard some pretty nasty shit coming his, his way initially. And he was still able to get these guys to turn into, you know, pretty decent, not, I, I, who knows if they're decent, not hateful towards someone because of their race type people. And it's like, that's, you're not going to get that by just being like, nope, you're racist, you're wrong, and running back to your collectivist, in you know, a non-individual type corner. It's like, no, he, he made the world a better place by being a, you know, tough, rugged individual by, you know, taking the brunt of something that was not pleasant by, you know, staying tough and fighting through it. And the, I, I mean, honestly, the world is a better place because of that. And, and that is kind of, I think would be this more of the modern day rugged individual is the person who isn't fighting the land and nature to make him his better life. You know, like we we're saying, he's not the big lumberjack knocking down trees and building his home and, you know, tackling moose so he can fucking eat him. He's, he's tackling these, these dangerous ideas and, and interactions and kind of making them, you know, making them go away and, and just building healthy relationships amongst people. I think that um, you're kind of touching on it. I think that's a good example of what we need today is, is that Daryl Davis. We need that today, not just with racism. I mean, with a, a multitude of things, He's just a, a great example of, of what we need. Yeah, I think he's, that's a great example. I mean, that's somebody who's just resilient. Like he's staring in the face of somebody who, I mean, when you look at the belief systems of, of people in the KKK, it's, it's certifiably insane. It's yeah. like, I mean, it's completely off the charts. So for him to sit there with them and I, I believe there's a documentary out about this which i haven't seen but uh everything you said is i believe is true that i mean hundreds of these guys were once hateful racists and just through communication and understanding uh and and resilience like not taking offense and not being triggered by their uh, their misunderstanding and also not taking a like a moral high ground because that's the other thing that I think mm -hmm. turns a lot of people off is like it's not even that you're hateful or or in this case that like uh, Daryl is is hateful or could be hateful against these guys which I mean I think the common person would say yeah he's deserving of of that if he wants to feel that way because it's so uh, because it, that's what's being uh put in his direction mm -hmm. like it goes, it goes back to that age-old wisdom of turning the other cheek and the sort of second tier of that is that i think we're seeing a lot in uh in society today 
is the idea of, okay, not being hateful, but then taking this like moral high ground and just saying like, oh, well, if, if you think that you are, uh, for instance, if, if you're a KKK member, you are stupid or you're uh, like, you're too far gone and like, there's nothing that's going to save you. And just putting them in this box where it's not even worth paying them any attention. And that, that is also a trap that the conversation can fall into because then they just go ahead and, and continue to hate, hate you. Like the only way it seems to me anyway, that you can connect with somebody and convert them to a more advantageous belief system where it's like, I think ultimately what converted these guys was like, Daryl became their friend. It wasn't like he, right. he, you know, showed them it was, you know, it, it was an emotional connection because he legitimately cared uh, about shifting their perspective. Cause at the end of the day, like these guys are living in this ignorant little bubble versus getting a friend who has like, you know, the only divide being skin color what he's been able to do there is effectively make their life. Like you were talking about, it's the world is a better place. It's not just a better place because the world is with fewer KKK members because like there's a legitimate connection where people are enjoying better lives for themselves. And then on top of that, they're, they're not, they're, they're no longer subscribing to a belief system that keeps them shackled and, and keeps, people they come into contact with uh, shackled because that like ideas like that are, are poisonous. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just, it seems to me that another part of the conversation that gets lost in the, in the tussle of social media is the fact that there, there's like multiple different techniques and different ways that people shut each other out and, uh, one being just being blatantly hateful and racist, but then the next being uh, like morally superior. And uh, at the end of the day, I think the, you know, the true rugged individual, like you're saying, is the person who says, you know what, I'm not going to go for, for any of that stuff. I'm going to see each person as they are, because I, I don't believe that Daryl converted all these KKK members at once, these 200 people. I think if, if, and I really do need to watch the documentary to fully grasp the the nuance to this, but I, I'm willing to bet almost, almost anything that the way he did it was one person at a time. You know, one act of kindness, one conversation, one, that, that's the way to, uh, to really connect with and, and persuade people in, in many cases. So um, good ideas, just like bad ideas. I think they spread, they, they really do spread the same way. And it's, it's one person at a time. And, uh, you know, going back to that young quote that uh, people don't have ideas, ideas have people. If those ideas that have people are better, it is, it is better for everyone. And so the idea of not judging people by their, their race 
uh, in the case of Daryl Davis, like mm-hmm. obviously that's a, that's a better idea that uh, if, if it gripped more people, it, w- it would definitely be better situation for everyone. Uh, oh yeah. Time that that's done one person at a time. I, I would, I mean, I would totally agree. And, and I think it's um, like kind of relating that directly to some, you know, let's just say the past like five years in the country. Um, and I, I guess I'm sure globally as well, but I can't really speak to what's happening, you know, in Europe or South America right now, but uh, is it, a great, a great example of it. And I, I've mentioned this to you a few times and, and I like to kind of harp on it because I think it really, um, this conversation we're having now kind of best uh, encapsulates it for me now that I'm, I'm thinking about it is if you go to the election in 2016, it was, um, you had here, like, okay, so, you know, kind of like going, going through the, um, let's actually go back to 2008. So like, why did Barack Obama get elected? I mean, it was, um, I mean, we're sitting here bitching and moaning about, you know, how racist the country is or something. And, you know, four years ago, we had, we had just finished two terms of a, a black president, uh, the first in U.S. history. So it's like, we have that mean, has to mean we've come some direction towards not being a racist country. You know what you know what I mean? But it was you know the Bush years had their had had their negative effects on the country and people had their negative views of you know what what it brought you know unnecessary foreign intervention to put it you know in a nice way unnecessary foreign intervention uh, really like the government being really cozy with corporate bailouts and Bushes case it was the uh, uh the banks and the 2008 collapse and all that stuff and um just kind of like this blatant corporate cronyism with with the federal government that led to you know just kind of destroying people's lives in one way or the other whether it was families going overseas their kids going overseas to fight and then they're you know kind of breaking up the family with the kid dying or coming back maybe you know not all there mentally because he was 18 and saw some nasty nasty things and probably had to do some rough things as well, or you know, financially a family gets destroyed because someone loses their job or their pension because of you know guys in smoke-filled rooms, excuse me, making really bad decisions. Um, and then those people not paying a penalty, like the banks still got all you know the big executives at the banks still got their uh, their big bonuses. You know, you know Jamie Dimon, who actually I think Chase didn't really need a bailout at the time, but nonetheless, I mean Jamie Dimon still in charge of Chase Bank and he was in charge of Chase Bank during the financial crisis. So it's like, it's not like he lost his job. Uh, People in Congress are still, you know, sitting in office, even though they were in Congress when, when this crisis happened, but some people don't have jobs and some companies don't exist because of it. So people were sick of it and they wanted a change in Barack Obama while also being an incredible politician and public speaker. Um, comes along and it's like, oh, here's our guy. You know, he's he's incredibly well spoken. He's he's not this crusty old white guy. He's boom, 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 boom. He's talking about balancing budgets and hope and change and blah blah blah. And he he, he gets voted in. And then his eight years, as much as people don't like to hear it, it's literally everything I just described in the Bush years is the Obama years. It's it's the same stuff. Foreign interventions we don't need corporate cronyism, uh, that type of thing. 
Um, and a part of the country, you know, they had, there was this, you know, alleged economic recovery, which was really just very similar to the economic deal we had with Trump prior to the coronavirus stuff. Just the stock market looked good. The rich got richer. Um, but the middle class just, you know, still eroding. You had the opium, uh, the opioid epidemic really starting to, to kick up uh, during those eight years from 2008 to 2016. And, you know, middle America, the, the, the part of the country that voted for Trump, you know, felt forgotten. And this was their version of the fuck you back at the system. It wasn't, uh, you know, fuck you at black people. It wasn't like necessarily directly at Obama. I mean, people might say it was, but it really wasn't directly at him. It was just the same things have been happening now that happened in the Bush years and in the Clinton years and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just, so when this happens, instead of the Clinton voter or the, um, the people from what uh, Michael Malice, I forgot who he got it from, but Michael Malice refers to it as the cathedral, you know, uh, mainstream media, academia, Hollywood, uh, I guess you could include government in that as well, um, but more on the on the cultural side, the social side, you know, the, the ones I mentioned before, government. Uh, instead of sitting there and saying like, well, why did, you know, why did Pennsylvania vote for Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012, but then vote for Donald Trump in 2016? Like, why is that? What could be the reasons? They just kind of jumped to, you know, well, they don't agree with me, so they must be racist or a deplorable, as Hillary Clinton would say. And it was just like, all of this that we're dealing with right now, I mean, coronavirus notwithstanding, although I do think <laughs> it would have improved uh, reactions and, and policy on that. Uh, that's a different conversation. All this right now is a result of people, you know, not being a tough minded individual. And by tough minded, I don't mean like I'm stuck in my ways. You can't convince me otherwise, but not sitting there and saying like, you know, why did the guy in Hazleton, Pennsylvania vote for Trump? And it's like, what, what reasons could that be? Let me, let me talk to that guy. Like, Hey man, you know, what's going on here? Why do you, why do you think this way? And listen to his point of view and be like, Hey, you know what? Um, well, I don't think Donald Trump was your answer to your problems. Um, I see what you're saying and I see why you wouldn't want, you know, someone that is in the, in the established politician, corporatist elite wing, a Clinton, um, in office because nothing's going to be different. Okay. I see where you're coming from there. Like, I understand, like maybe in the future we could, you know, and then, and no, obviously no politicians, but it'd be nice if some members of Congress or high level the news people, um, media people could like legitimately go out and have a conversation with people in these type of scenarios or I'm um, sorry, situations to be like, well, why did, you know, why did you vote for Donald Trump in 2016? What were your reasons for it? Like, and, and then have a conversation, not like, you know, in a condescending mocking way that basically is all you get from um, anybody that's not, you know, Fox news or I don't know, one of the other, right-wing news networks, but like pretty much everyone else is just, you know, yep, this guy's a racist or he's a this or he's a that and I'm better than him and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, you're not going to, you're not going to improve anything and prevent this stuff in the future. You're just not because you haven't, um, Michael Malice also talks about, uh, he called about something, how the gay community 
I, I don't know when this was really happening, but the gay community had something they, they really tried to encourage like a, I don't know how official it was, but like an ambassador type program where like, as people are coming out of the closet, it was almost like, you know, come out of the closet um, and not, you know, just come out of the closet. And the more people that do, it not only does it encourage others to come out of the closet and feel comfortable because they're not like alone, but also those, you know, who aren't uh, gay and might be, you know, you would assume might be like, I guess, anti-gay to just put it as, to put it bluntly. Um, when it's their brother that comes out as gay or their uncle or their best friend or something of the, something, someone like that, it suddenly hits a little bit closer to home and it's somebody, I mean, at the very least it's someone you know, if not someone you love and have grown up with your whole life that, well, okay, maybe I don't need to demonize, you know, gay people because uncle, uncle Bob is gay and he's always been great. He's my favorite uncle. Like, why would I hate him for that? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no one reaches out and, and tries to make the personal connection with anyone to find out why they think what they think or do what they do or, you know, what's affecting them negatively, that we just are just spiraling into this situation we're in now where, you know, cities are burning to the ground. I mean, burning to the ground because of, uh, I mean, just <laughs> nonsense as far as I'm concerned, not that the events that people are, you know, not that George Floyd dying is nonsense, but just we don't need, the, the George Floyd incident should not have led to what we currently have today. So, and I, I think that's um, the rugged individual, the reaching out to someone across, you know, across the aisle, so to speak, from you that doesn't see the eye to eye with you, like Daryl Davis being a very gr good example, um, is why we are where we are. Yeah, I mean, I think you could you could definitely argue multiple different ways on if the uh, if the protests that happened after George Floyd, like for for my part, I, I like the fact that there are people peacefully protesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think what you're what you're saying is basically like the burning of cities, and not not just uh, in the case of, of George Floyd, but the the number of cases that have uh, that have gone down to, to the point where I mean now, uh, I mean yeah, 2020. There, there's no question that this has been a culturally like there's been a shift, right? And mm -hmm. I, it's not just it's not just in uh, the United States. I, I saw the same thing in uh, I'm in this group of foreigners uh it's, i forget what the name of the actual group is it's foreigners in colombia basically mm -hmm. uh you know in south america and in this group they post a video of the middle of bogota which is the capital city of about eight million people in colombia mm -hmm. and man i mean it's on fire and uh, you know not the whole thing but a section of it is on fire and there's people throwing bottles and whatever the garbage they can get their hands on on the street at cops and uh people trying to drive through because the same thing happened in in their city that that you know has been happening in different places in the united states which was that uh you know somebody was in the process of being detained and arrested and i don't know the specific details but ultimately that person unfortunately 
uh, was killed. Mm-hmm. And, and lo and behold, uh, the same thing happens in, in Colombia, in Bogota, with the current situation, what it is, people at home because of lo- the lockdowns. Uh, and I, I mean, the protests are, are now worldwide these things going on right and these moments of outrage so it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens what the world looks like in the next few months and if there's one thing just on a personal note that i've realized it's that like i mean we were just talking about this before like covid the the whole situation i I was telling you that i mean my my client uh through no fault of their own by the way like i you know it's at the end of the day it's up to me but uh basically my source of income was in a phone call like hey we can't pay you and if there's something that i've learned from this experience it being COVID is like, I think there's one thing that really can force you to rise to the occasion and whatever it is, be more compassionate, be more understanding, listen to people's viewpoints. Uh, It's obviously you have to have some level of like your, your basic needs met, which fortunately I, I, I do. Uh, but then beyond that, just being, uh, just like doing whatever you can to respond to the tough blows is also a big part of, um, what I think gets you through the, the times when, um, when you need to be a rugged individual. But also, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie there, there has been times in this phase where I legitimately needed help too. Oh, yeah. So having, having that balance and just having the humility to say, fuck, like I don't have all the tools, but I'm still gonna do the best I can and I'm not gonna waste any time blaming other people or, or anything like that. Like you just gotta dig down, you know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, a lot of it, I would say, or uh, a good portion of being a, I, I hate to keep saying the phrase because I sound like I repeat myself, but just to hammer home, you know, a, a rugged individual is, I mean, you have to be willing to accept and ask for help. Um, I would say it's a much, I mean, it's maybe, I don't want to sound like, I don't want to try to like split hairs here, but asking or needing, you know, admitting you need and asking for help are very, you know, uh, honorable, maybe not honorable, but yes, they are very like, it takes some humility and some individualism to say like, oh man, you know what? I need to, let's say I want, like you were talking before the, um, before we started recording about uh, if I ever wanted to like work remotely and I needed some advice, like by all means, give you a shout, right? Which I mean, would be easy. We're friends. We talk, you know, once a week, generally once a week. So not that big of a deal, but okay. I need, I want to make a change. I need to ask someone to help guide me on the way. I don't need to just say, you know, rugged individualism isn't like, no, I'll do it on my own. I don't need any advice. It's just, you can't expect, you're not owed any of that. I'm not owed your advice or your time to say, Hey man, or, 
your willingness to connect me with someone, whatever, whatever it would entail. I'm not owed any of that. And that's also part of it is like, admit you need it, um, ask for help or guidance, whatever it might be, but you're not owed any of those things. If someone were to be like, Hey man, sorry, you know, if you need money, let's just say, like you said, you lost your client, you can't pay your rent, um, for a, a month. And, uh, just to use us, just to keep it between me and you in this conversation, you call me up and you know, I'm, I'm doing well. I got some extra cash in the bank and maybe I'm saving it for, uh, you know that I'm saving it uh, to buy, you know, buy like a, a material item. The same, I want to buy a boat. Okay. So I'm saving to buy a boat and you, you call me up and you're like, Hey man, you know, uh, I need two grand to pay rent. LA is expensive. Uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling right now. And I know that, no, that in my head, I'm like, well, that money I have set aside for the boat. I don't have an extra two grand to give you in your mind. You might say, you know, the person who, who doesn't have that rugged mindset would be like, well, no, you got plenty of money there. Like we were talking about the other day, you have $15,000 saved up. Of course you can give me two grand. And it's like, no, that you have instantly, like you haven't accepted the fact that uh, maybe what you need is something I, you know, can't slash don't want to provide need to accept that. Like, that's okay that I don't want to do that. You need to kind of take that hit and then move on and, find another way to do it but a lot of people don't they don't have that they think they're owed something something whatever it is it doesn't even have to necessarily be like material or financial it could just be some type of uh they're owed a perspective or an opinion and it's just like that's not that's not it at all and and it's it's you need to need to kind of accept the fact that someone might not give you the whatever it is you need, even when you need it. And I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing missing for people today, I think. I just kind of what I see, it's, well, I, I believe that, you know, every, you know, I believe healthcare is a right. Well, someone out there doesn't believe healthcare is a right. Can you have that conversation with them? Or are you, you know, gonna, gonna scream that they you know want grandma to die and that they're a nazi or maybe well maybe they won't say you're a nazi for that but you know what i mean and because now you can't have that conversation with them like i don't think we should have you know universal government government funded or however you want to phrase it healthcare. if someone says hey i think we should and i say no we don't if they tell me like well you're just you're just a scumbag and you don't know what you're talking about blah 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 it's like well, I'm never going to sit here and have this conversation with you and you're never going to convince me otherwise. So, you know, the fact that you think I owe you this opinion or that I owe you that I, to agree with you is like, has kind of destroyed our potential to come to an agreement on this. So that's, that's um, another thing I think re people really are lacking and should um, try to develop in some way. I don't know the best way to develop that, um, but they should is you need to be willing to ask for help or ask for an opinion or ask for something and also be tough enough to accept that some people might not want to give you whatever it is you're looking for. Yeah, man. So the, yeah, I like the, the takeaways basically being that it's, there's nuance to it, right? It's like yeah. have humility, but at the same time, uh, do your absolute best. Uh, and, uh, that that kind of 
half and half of no man is an island, mm-hmm. but you know, also, uh, you know, it's, it's worth it. And it takes some, some toughening up to kind of, it goes back to humility again, where like, you got to let your ego go down. Like everybody take, take a page out of, uh, Daryl Davis's book. That's what I'm, I'm thinking of anyway. It's like, mm-hmm. man, like the amount of ego he just had to fucking drop and say, I'm going to make these guys see the error in their, in their ways, but not by like, not by having a big ego, but by having the humility of treating them like people, even though they're not treating him like one. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, um, um, here. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. I've had it up. I'm kind of glancing at it. I mean, here's a, here's a great quote by him. Um, the lesson learned is ignorance. I mean, this is talking about ignorance, not necessarily individual individualism versus collectivism, but it kind of, it relates to what we're saying here. The lesson learned is ignorance breeds fear. If you keep, if you don't keep that fear in check, that fear will breed hatred. If you don't keep that hatred in check, it will breed destruction. And so I mean, that's, uh, he's more talking about just like race relations there, I, I'm assuming, but really that's sitting there and saying like, basically that's a, uh, a specific version of kind of what we're talking about is like, be willing to reach out to the other side. And even if you have fear or hatred and et cetera, et cetera, it's like, be willing to reach out to the other side and see what they have to say, or this person has to say. And I guarantee like, you know, you and I bitch about Marxism or something like that. Right. I guarantee if we sat down and, you know, across the like one-on-one conversation had dinner, you know, no recording or anything with, uh, I don't know, one of like the leaders of the black, I think you've heard like the things like the leaders of a black lives movement in whatever city says white people are a genetic defect and should be eliminated or something, something like just absurd. Like it's an absurd statement. Um, and it's like, I could sit down if it like, I guarantee I could sit down with that person and have a legitimate conversation with them. Like normal talking about whatever it is, like talking sports, if they're a sports fan or something. And at the end of it, both of us could be like, Oh, that person wasn't so bad, but it's kind of like, you know, you got a lot of people would sit there and be like, well, I won't have a conversation with her. Or she could say, I'm not going to have a conversation with that white man. You know what I mean? And it's like, it really just takes a little swallowing of pride and sitting down and having a conversation of some sort, finding things you, you, we have way more in common than we don't have in common, like those type of things. And that would totally change the narrative probably for both of us about each other. And I don't know, I just, it's, it's just sad that we're at a place where that's not like, that's such a foreign or, you know, crazy concept. Like we just talked about it, talked about that concept for an hour and it's like, that shouldn't even be something to discuss. You know what I mean? It's it just, it's, it's kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm made optimistic by the stories like Daryl Davis, where it's like, we, what I think we really need, there's this documentary my friend was recommending to me called the, I think it's called the social dilemma. Mm-hmm. Something like this. It's about the effect that 
social media is having on us right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's called the certain, and it's like just recently came out. Uh, the idea is that basically people are in little echo chambers of their own belief systems and it's making it harder and harder for people to connect across these invisible lines of ideas and beliefs. And, uh, Aside, like I, I do think it's more. It has more to do with, like the the weakness of of human nature that those things are happening. But when I hear stories like Daryl Davis and you know hear hear you talking about being able to talk with just about anyone, it, it it's encouraging to me because I'm like, okay, I I I feel the same way. Like, um, for as much as I, I really do believe in expressing your individuality uh i you know i believe in entrepreneurship and uh people building sustainable economic machines to to solve problems Mm -hmm. uh i i can still meet halfway and and actually do pay attention to uh some people who have more socialist ideas because that you like there's like i was saying before there's golden nuggets everywhere so it's not that one person has everything right and then I don't need to listen to other people it's that there's like the the best system for for humans is the one that is constantly checking in with itself and making sure that it's changing with the times that's why like free speech is so important because you can communicate with people that hey this this thing's going wrong here uh, you know, that's why you need the freedom of assembly and for people to protest and for people to voice their, whatever it is, their emotions, their outrage, their frustration, etc. And so I, I do think that um, as long as those tools are intact, we're, we're in a good spot. Uh, and, and once again, when you go back to individuality, uh, that's why, that's really why I, I think that we we have the first amendment and we have those tools in place is is because our society knows for all of its flaws our society knows thanks to um thanks to the decisions made hundreds of years ago that uh the ability to speak freely to speak your mind is the bedrock of of progress so um so yeah i i think that that's an important part of being an individual that's i think that gets to the heart of all the things that we've been saying because i mean if anything right now we're (laughs) we're exercising our our free speech right right absolutely um i mean as far as this goes i mean I, i don't have much more to say other than, I mean, I'll just end up talking in circles and making the same point and argument, just maybe with a couple of different examples. Uh, you, I mean, you have anything else you want to add something else you want to touch on different than this or, or, or what? No, man, I appreciate you for, uh, coming up with this topic. And I think the takeaways are, like you said, humility and, uh, yeah, humility and, uh, expressing your, your ideas. Those are the two big takeaways for me. Anything else you want to close out with? Yeah. And I would say maybe the last thing to touch on is we kind of talked about a lot on being the 
the side of like when I discussed asking for help, being willing to ask for help or ask for something. And if the answer you get is something you don't like, you need to kind of, you know, shake it off and move on. Also, if you're the person being asked those things, um, I do think it's a good a, a sign of a strong individual is someone who's willing to, you know, be humble in their own way in a different way and uh you know try to help the other person out whether it's you help them out like i said in that financial example i gave you if you're able to maybe help your buddy out um if someone asks you your opinion on something give your opinion maybe don't be a dick about it i guess <laughs> if you think hey do you uh, do you think joe Biden? i'm a huge biden supporter what do you think of joe biden I don't have to say, well, I think he's senile and going to die in office and that you're an idiot for voting for him. I could just say like, eh, I, I disagree with some of his policy positions. You know what I mean? Like maybe take some humility and be a strong individual yourself and, and, and refrain from, uh, you know, harming that other person in, in some way or the other. So that's the only other thing I would add, man. Other than that, I, I think I'm good. Awesome. All right. All right. That's it. All right. Sounds good, man. Talk soon. See ya.